A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Today, I'm going to be talking about walking well through offense. Do you hear that again? Walking well through offense. And I want to thank you for your patience. I was told after first service that the message was slightly confusing because of my accent or lack thereof. The message is not titled Walking Through Offense, as first service may have thought it was. It is Walking Through Offense. I said, man, not only did one, two, but three people inform me of that. So how many of you know in the mouth of three witnesses or more, you better listen, somebody. All right, that's, that's not even in the Bible. That's just straight up wisdom. All right. Well, today it is walking through an offense. Here's the deal. You may, um, you, you, you may say, listen, I don't know if that's possible. You may, you may say, listen, I was not trained I was not equipped. No, nobody even said, like, I can actually respond or react well to an offense. You may have grown up or been shown the way. You may have had a Jedi master or an offense master who taught you that when you're offended, you argue. You take it personal. You fixate on the offense and don't enjoy any other areas of life. You yell louder. That's how you win when you're offended. If you can get louder, if you can, if you can be stronger, if you can make your point with more arm movements than the one who offended you, you're going to win. Maybe you were trained a little bit in that. My role, my goal, my aim is really to encourage you and hopefully open another door for your life from the Proverbs, and especially chapter 19, verse 11. I built today's message really off of that verse. The thing about offense, I don't want to be casual. I want to be sincere and say, listen, if you have breath in your lungs, if you are in any form of relationship, whether that be a romantic, loving relationship with a spouse, with a dating relationship, or with a family member or a friend, not a romantic relationship with a family member or friend, okay, just a regular relationship, co-workers, any form of relationship in your community, in your college, starting a new job, anywhere, anywhere there's relationship, church, anywhere there's relationship, there's the possibility of offense. It is always on the scene. It is coming knocking on your door. Aren't you glad you came today, somebody? <laughs> Jesus would make the statement that in this world you will have trouble. We can anticipate. We can anticipate trouble, and trouble is multifaceted. There are many different ways that trouble can come knocking on our door. And I've known, I've known the taste and the deceit of offense. I was reflecting. Really, that's what you do as a pastor as you prepare a message. You can't help but go in the message and reflect. And I was just scratching my 
head. I had moments of, of a, a rush of blood to the head, a rush of adrenaline through my body as I thought of some of my memories and some of the ways I used to handle offense. And I would just say, thank you, Jesus, that you didn't let that end so poorly. Thank you, Jesus, that you showed up and you gave grace. I was reflecting in some of my early 20 years. I thought, I thought, man, you lived life ready to be offended. I lived life. I had seasons charged up. I remember some of my first years in ministry. I remember being in, in, in staff meetings and think to myself, what do you mean by that look? What did they mean by saying that? Like I was just ready, ready, like, char, char. like why aren't they talking? I, it was almost like I was waiting. I was, I was almost like seizing to be offended. And patience, good Lord, patience wasn't part of my personality. Impatience was part of my personality. But over the years, God has been so gracious through the scriptures, through his Holy Spirit. And I thank God that the pastor before you today still can be offended. Make no bones about it. But my reactivity to offense has become a lot more Christ-like in the last two decades. And I want to encourage you, no matter where you are on the scene of your life, whether you think that you can walk well through offense, I'm here to tell you, I don't only think you can, I think God has called for you. And I think in the culture we live in that has never before been so divisive, politically, religiously, emotionally charged, that people who can walk well through offense are a sign and a witness of the love of God and the love of Christ. And it may be something you don't do very well. I want to tell you, we're a church that is practicing the ways of Jesus. So we're going to practice the ways of Jesus. I also want to encourage you that when you go to the doctor, you are visiting a doctor that has a certificate of certification that states they are practicing medicine, somebody. That if you have ever stepped into a lawsuit, you are with lawyers who are practicing law. And so there's grace for you today, okay? Listen, we're going to practice the ways of Jesus. We're going to be practicing the wisdom of Proverbs. In Proverbs 19.11, again it says, A person's wisdom yields patience. That's one thought. And then the second thought brings it home. It is to one's glory. It is to one's renown, if you will. It is influential to our reputation to overlook an offense. Offenses come and go. They vary in gravity. The weight of certain offenses, they trigger us in different ways. Honestly, we are all unique individuals. And as we leave today, you know, this whole side of the room may be offended by one circumstance in life, while this side of the room has the same experience and zero offense. There's not always ways to understand how an offense may come into our life, but the chances are it's going to pop up. For some of you, it's in the workplace. For some of you, it's as close as a spouse from time to time, from a family member from time to time from points of touch in our culture, whether you're part of a recreational sports league, come on, softball field, see some offense every now and again. 
sometimes doing life in a church. There are offenses from time to time. But God never promised an offenseless life. He promised us a life that we can live trusting him, staying close to him, and becoming like Christ. One of the things I've noticed, now I'm going to be speaking, if I can say this, on my behalf, was seeing the influence that an offense can have in people's lives. I've seen the sting of offense even happening in my own life. So I'm not writing, or I did not craft this message from your perspective. I can only share about some of the things I've experienced. And I want to share just really quickly a couple things I've noticed in my life. Offenses have consequences if they're left unchecked. Here's some of what I've noticed, that there immediately can be discord. An offense can create discord faster than anything else. And that discord is the opposite of unity. And discord in close relationships, including marriage, family, and close friendships. Discord inevitably leads to distance. Distance is the space between relationships. You may be a boss and there's space between your employees. Or you may be an employee, there's space between you and your boss because of the way they communicated to you, the way they threatened you, the way they said something that offended you. And, and it just has done nothing but create distance upon distance upon distance. And that distance, if it's left again, think of this, if it's left unchecked, it will lead to the death of a relationship, of a friendship. And I'm here to tell you that a relationship, a friendship, it, it goes both ways. So I don't want you over taking responsibility. But the reality is that I think so often marriages, friendships, family, things can move in a healthy direction. But if we leave an offense unchecked, it will have consequences in our lives. And probably the, the, the greatest gravity, probably the heaviest weight for me that I've seen as a pastor and I've experienced is disobedience. You say, well, how can an offense lead to disobedience? Well, I've seen offense lead to disobedience in this way. That I've seen people who fear God, who are doing all they can to walk after his ways in community. I've seen that an offense stick and go unchecked and wreak havoc to the point where people who were once living close to God, caring for the things of God, they've gained so much traction and distance from God that now they're disobedient to his calling, his purpose, his plans in their life. Like they, they still love God, but they're not living for God. They haven't given up on God, but they've given up on the calling that God has placed in their life. How has that happened? I've experienced that from some times. I've had to check my heart. I've had to repent. I've had to overlook an offense to step back onto the path God has for me. It's one of the subtle ways or not so subtle ways the enemy of our soul sets traps. You can almost envision it like landmines. You're familiar with World War I or World War II especially. What the enemy would do is under the cloud of darkness... Uh, the military would go out and they would lay landmines all throughout a field or throughout a, a, a mountain range. I mean, it was very strategic. And they were, would, would dig it up, put the landmine down, and put the ground right over it, and it would become an art form. So that, 
to the common eye, there'd be nothing in the field. And the military would be looking to advance. And then all of a sudden, they would step on a landmine and an explosive would go off. And here's the whole goal of that explosive was to stop the military from advancing. Stop them in their tracks. And here's the kicker. Make them retreat. Make them go back. Think of how the enemy plays in our life, especially when it comes to the promises God has for us and the future he's called for us to step into. A fence is like a landmine that's been laid out ahead of us. And that we are going to step on that landmine. Like, I'm here to tell you, it's going to happen. There is no landmine-free life. <laughs> like, offenses, they're going to happen. But our role as Christ followers, truly, to be faith-filled believers, trusting the Lord, is to endure what that landmine brought, and not to retreat, but to walk well through the offense so that we can step into the abundant, good life God has called for us to have. It takes us overcoming the offense that we experienced. Much like the military, if they wanted to move forward, they had to find a way to get through or go around or beyond that field laid with landmines. Much the same for you and for me. And Proverbs, it gives us insight. Proverbs, this verse, lays before us such essential truths. God-given, God-inspired, supernatural wisdom that I pray we can step into. I have framed this in three thoughts. The first two have to deal with the first portion of that verse. In the first por portion of that verse, here's what it says again. A person's wisdom yields patience. Can we say the word patience together? One, two, three. Patience. 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 Patience is underrated in our society. Patience and discretion are way underrated. As I said, in my 20s, man, patience, poof, who that? Nah. Patience doesn't do a thing. Impatience gets things done. Somebody amen that. Impatience. Oh, make it happen. Oh, make it fast. Ah, run some people over. It's all good. Means to an end, right? No, that is a terrible way to live. Proverbs 19, verse 11, it says, here's the key, here's the key, here's the key. The second part, overlook offense. You don't get to overlook an offense without patience. Patience is what we want to yield when an offense is on the scene. And so I have just short thoughts, slow down. When offense is on the scene, when you've stepped on the landmine of offense, when the rush of blood is, by golly, it's already gone to your head. And the adrenaline has flooded your entire system. Here's my encouragement from Proverbs. Slow yo roll. <laughs> Apply the brakes. Apply the brakes. Slow down. Get patient. I know what it's like for somebody to send that Offense over messenger. I know what it's like to open your email box and you don't even need to read the body of the email because they just listed it right all in the subject line, somebody. <laughs> I don't even need to listen to the voicemail. I already saw your post. Can I tell you, I know what offense looks like when it's knocking on your door. 
And I know what it's like to respond in the flesh. Junior high, my Lord, I remember. All my teammates on my soccer team knew how Paul responded to offense. Representing our wonderful private Christian school, I collected the most yellow cards. Record. I'm sure it's still standing. Anybody gets. Push it just enough to not get sent over. Somebody who's sent off the field. I know what it's like to respond in anger. Oh, that was a foul? Okay. I would take that ball, boom, launch it. You're thinking, wow, how did it get so high? <laughs> it's amazing what anger can do, somebody. It's amazing what, what, what we can do when we're flooded, when we're in the feeling, when we're in the moment. I know what it's like in, in college. Oh, my goodness, college. Praise Jesus for college, somebody. I know. All the emotions, all the situations, all the stress. I mean, young adult years are beautiful. They're so formative, but they can be hard because you're learning to carry weights, responsibilities that you never had. It's a bit of a juggling act, and I know all, you know, when, when it's not just you're juggling three balls, you're juggling like ten balls. And then you're a young adult, so you say yes to everything because you want to make everybody happen. Somebody, amen? So you just, you just, yes, 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 yes. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, and everybody's skating on thin ice. And so one of the balls drops and, ah, Woo, you know, we respond, we react. I know. One of the things I've learned slowly but surely, patiently, is to be attentive and slow down. There's quality of life in patience. Like Proverbs is going to help us live with less regrets. Like we can actually become what Proverbs is saying. Like there's a destiny, there's a future, there's a hope over your life. And it's not behavior modification. It comes out of our loving relationship with God where we become aware of how deeply and richly he loves us, and now our heart's posture is, man, I'm so loved, I can love others well. This message is all about loving others well. And my wife, her life is transformed as I become more patient. My kids, they can testify. My, my transformation has made their childhood a lot easier. Imagine if I hadn't developed in junior high, Paul was still on the scene as a 41-year-old. So um, I don't know if you know this, but children have a gift. It's the gift of making messes. It's the gift of messing up. Like a perfectly clean home where everything is in place can look like the seventh bowel of hell in 30 seconds. And junior high, Paul... You're going to think he came from the seventh bowel of hell with the way he responded and reacted. But sometimes, some people never change. They never transform. They're living life so reacted, so charged. I want to encourage you, do the deep work. And part of doing the deep work is applying. It's practicing your faith. I've noticed when I can slow down, I become more prayerful. Like Philippians 4, 6 and 7, it's going to encourage you. I want you to see the twofold rhythm. First rhythm is here. Paul's writing to the church in 
Philippi. And he says, don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. You know, I think that's like 50% of the equation of what the church does. Like, I think that's 50% of what good Christian parents do, good Christian spouses do. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry. Be happy. That's 50% of the equation. That truth is enough. That truth is enough to plant a seed of hope in an anxious heart, somebody. That truth alone can do great works. But it falls short of what Paul is saying. Paul is listing the promise. You don't have to be anxious. Great. Sign me up. But it's going to cost you something. Well, what's it going to cost? Time. Energy. Focus. Some of the time I'm so distracted, anxiety is naturally going to be a product. It's going to require pulling off some screens, getting in some scriptures. Just is. That's not me being religious. I'm not being religious on you. Listen, grace is deep. But sometimes we're asking the Lord to answer our prayers, and he is inviting us in to slow down and know that he is God. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. Okay, Paul, you got my attention. I'm in. I'd like that. But in what? Every situation that I see fit, every situation that it makes sense in my mind, no, every situation, every and any situation by prayer and petition. Like to be a person of prayer, you've got to not be a person of something else. Every blessing in the kingdom comes with a cost. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the cost of discipleship, like being a disciple of Jesus is going to cost you something else. This is part of the ways of the kingdom. Now, here's the tragedy in America. The American dream does not tell you all that it's costing. The American dream also doesn't share all the lives that have given themselves sacrificially to purchase our freedom. We don't know sacrifice. And here's what's wild. Paul is saying, listen. Paul's saying, listen, when you slow down, be prayerful. Be watchful. By praying, and petitioning God, walking through an offense, God can bring a peace that passes all understanding. When I slow down, I can get perspective on an offense. Sometimes I've reacted so fast and made so many mistakes by one word, one conversation, one statement that I said because I was triggered. There's so much wisdom in applying the brakes, in slowing down. Used to be, you may have decided to lay on the accelerator. And the closer you get to their back bumper, the more the chances go up that they will hear your stress words that you are screaming at them. And how are they going to see your hand motions if you're miles behind him. I'm here to tell you there's a different way. <laughs> Slow down. Some of y'all don't know this. Some of this, I'm, I'm, I'm shaping your life right now. <laughs> Apply the brake. Get in that right lane. Get in that other right lane. 
slow down just a little bit more, and you could just pull off the road. You could, you could put it in park. You could turn on Way FM. Or some of you have the country persuasion. You can turn on 103.1. Wait for your favorite country song. <laughs> Let the Lord bring your anxiety and your emotions down to a level where you can breathe again and you can look over before you overlook an offense. You can gain perspective by slowing down. Key question, when I have slowed down, a key question, I think of these two T's. What I'm experiencing when we have just had somebody offend us, whether they meant to do it or not, when we've just had somebody offend us, I think of these two T's. These are key questions. Is this a trend? Are they in the habit of doing this? Or is it a trip up? Do they just need that Snickers bar? Do they just need that Reese's egg, somebody, to, to settle them down? That could save a lot, a lot of relational tension. If we, here's the thing I know, here's what's wild about relationship. You can't control the other person. You're welcome. That may have been all you needed to hear today. Like, I just saved your life. All right? You can't control the other person. Your responsibility is to control yourself. And offenses flood us with anxiety. And I don't know about you. I cannot speak on your behalf. But when I'm flooded with anxiety, I get stupid. Like, I'm just going to say and do things, and you're going to be like, wait, what? Who is that? Like, come on, man. When we're flooded with anxiety, we can make some, we can make some TikTok videos, y'all. When we flutter with anxiety, I don't know about you, but somebody's about to go viral. It's just going to happen. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Okay. Slowing down. These are important questions. I'll tell you, I, I look back, man, I look back at <laughs> If I could go to <laughs> 25-year-old Paul starting out in ministry. Hey, hey, Paul, slow down. Not everything's personal. Yes, it is. No, no, not everything's personal, Paul. Yes, it is. No, not everything's personal. Just slow down. You think you're living rent-free in their head? I can promise you, Paul, they ain't thought about you. That's indigestion in the staff meeting. That's not you. They just had a bad breakfast burrito. That's why their face is so funny. It's not personal. Just slow down and get some perspective. Proverbs, profound wisdom. I want you to think about this. Think of some of the problems you faced in your family, in your workplace. Now, think of a problem that, 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 that is real, that is a memory. You can feel the adrenaline in. Think on that and imagine if all the parties involved were patient with one another. Just imagine if they were patient with one another. Like, y'all, this message is a seed in your heart before the next presidential election, somebody. Like some of y'all following Jesus till it's election season. All right, that's a different message, different time. Okay, so here's the deal. Here's the deal. Imagine if patience, if patience was on the scene. Along with that same thought, thinking again with patience when we can slow down. Here's a second thought for this. Be curious, be curious about the offense. Something that has really helped me. Now, I didn't really ask this question years ago, but I've I ask it almost inevitably every time now. Here's the question I ask myself. Again, I cannot ask others. I don't look to others. I can't control others. 
I have to be responsible for myself. So I ask myself, why am I offended? That question leads us in the path to do some of the deep work in our soul. Why am I offended? Little side note, I need to say this, like, this isn't every little offense, okay? Like, when my order has been messed up in a drive-thru, it's not like I'm slowing down, worshiping, and then asking myself, why am I so offended? Like, I don't want you to, th- I don't want you to think that. Like, I mean, you may be in a place where, listen, this is what you need to do when they mess up your drive-thru order. I've been there. But I want, you to, I want you to think in some of the deeper areas of life, some of the weightier decisions of life, some of the rejection statements that you've received. When you thought you were on the inside group and they put you on the outside group and you're like, why? And nobody answering a lick of it. You're offended. You're flooded. When you just got promoted and all your friends were like, why did he get promoted? And they posting about it. You know they're all whispering about it. They gossiping behind your back. You, 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 you flood it. Slow down and then ask. Ask. Ask yourself, hey, why? Why? God, why? Why am I offended? Curiosity may lead us to areas in our own life we could develop and grow. Past hurts, wounds, perspectives that are unhealthy or underdeveloped. Curiosity may reveal other offenses we've been holding onto curiosity for me again i can't share about your life promise i'm not passive aggressively preaching today i don't have you in mind but i've noticed curiosity of my life has led me to perceive some of the habits and patterns i have for when i'm offended patience it's 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 wisdom to be patient to slow down to be curious When I've been curious, I've noticed things about it. I had to ask myself, why why do I always take it so personal? Why is it personal? Like, that's a good question. It's a good thing to identify a habit, right? A pattern. Why am I so charged? Why do I run into conflict? Like, why why do I have to be in conflict about it? Another another pattern is called distancing. Why, when I'm offended, do I get distance? Do I get space? Do I avoid people? Avoid conversations? Avoid situations. Why do I distance myself immediately instead of talking kindly, calmly about the offense? Why do I distance myself from the person and just try to avoid them? Like, that's patterns, right? I didn't come up with them. They're profound patterns that people do. Conflict, distancing. Here's a famous one. Triangling. Lord have mercy. You're right, we should end. But triangling. (laughs) Triangling is I'm offended, and now I'm going to get some teammates to be offended with me. Like this happens in homes. This happens in churches. Not our church, other churches. This happens with friends. This happens in workplaces. Triangling is we're offended, so now I'm going to get X, Y, Z, their brothers, their sisters to be offended with me, and we're going to win. That's what triangling is. Instead of, I want to tell you, I want to tell you, instead of walking well through offense. Walking well through offense means slowing down and getting prayerful. Do you know your heavenly father longs for you to meet him in the moments of offense? He loves it. God doesn't love you when you get through or get over your offense. God loves you in the offense. 
And he wants to train you. He wants to whisper words of hope. He wants to whisper words of love. He wants to whisper words of peace during, as you practice, amen, like I said at the beginning, as we practice walking well through offense. Because here's what's at stake, our future. The enemy sets landmines in front of us that every time they go off, we run. He knows we can never step into all the promises he has for our lives. And so slowing down, becoming prayerful, becoming patient, using discretion, practicing the ways of Jesus, being prayerful, being mindful, slowing down, and then being curious, like, hey, why am I so frustrated by this person? Is it their bad breath? Is it their accent? Is it the lighting? Is it the background of the words? Nah, it's his shirt. Why is he wearing a white shirt? Should be a black shirt. All right. Why? Why am I offended? It's an important question to ask. And then it leads us to the second part of Proverbs 19.11, the part we're all really wanting to engage in. You have to practice yourself into it, and it is the gift of overlooking an offense. It happens because of the first two. You don't get to overlook an offense by bypassing, slowing down, and being curious. How to overlook an offense is looking over the offense. Looking over, thinking about it, praying about it. Not engaging with everybody about it, but prayerfully finding that prayer closet, so to speak. Journaling it out. Hey, Lord, what do you think? What we got going? Can I tell you, we serve a God that is that personal, that is that close, and he cares. And there's no shame. Like, you don't bring an offense to the table of the Lord, and he's like, Paul, don't be ridiculous. No, he affirms our pain. He affirms our hurt. He affirms the woundedness of that moment. And he brings his healing to our heart so that we can walk forward into who he's called for us to be. It's the deep work that only the Lord can do and only us as we partner with him can accomplish. But I do believe a destiny over your life, I do believe a promise over your life is that a year from now, you will get better at walking through a fence. Like if you're at a zero today, next year, by golly, you might be at a 0.5. <laughs> There's hope. <laughs> but I mean this, if you're at a zero today, if you practice that first thought, slowing down, inviting patience onto the scene, patience will lead us to perspective. You know, when we practice patience, grace shows up. Can I tell you that? Grace shows up. When we're charged, grace gets shut out. But when we're patient, grace shows up. You know, Peter would describe our Heavenly Father as a very patient God. Very patient God. Not desiring that any should perish. He's patiently, patiently waiting for our lives to be aligned with his. Our walk to be aligned with his. Our hearts to become like his. It's part of the kingdom of God. It's part of who we've been invited to become. It's like God. Scripture says that front to back. And it's our joy to step into slowly but surely 
being in a place, being in such a state that we can overlook offense. Let's pray as we close. God, again, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the power of your word. And Lord, thank you for helping us in this Proverbs series. Thank you. I can't speak for anybody else. Thank you for helping me in this Proverbs series, God. As you remind us, remind me of some key dynamics to being Christ followers. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping us become people of patience. Lord, some of us were we're done trying in our own strength. We're here to say we need your help. Some of us know the sting, God, of distance. Some of us know, God, the tension of discord. And Lord, some of us know, myself included, the death of relationships. Because an offense could never be overlooked. And we ask you, Lord, to help us. Help us to be people who slow down, people who practice patience. That your grace, God, and your mercy may abound in our lives and the lives of those around us. We ask these things in the precious name, the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much.